The following podcast is proudly brought to you by Vite Ramen. Use the link in the description and use offer code BROKENSILICON to get 10% off tasty, healthy, and easy-to-make ramen. And also use the offer code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off windows, keys, and die shrink to get 3% off everything else on the website at cdkeyoffer.com. Now on with the show. Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom. And today I'm joined by somebody that as I was preparing the notes for today, I realized we're just a couple months away from being exactly two years away from the last time we talked to each other. And I was looking through the stuff we talked about two years ago and already so much has changed. So I'm really happy to have you on again. I guess who I think excels at extreme overclocking and really testing where a CPU's performance is at different clock speeds. And there's so many more C- new CPUs on the market since two years ago. So it's a good time to update it. Um, I'll let you introduce yourself, though. Why don't you tell everybody who you are, what your channel is, what you're about? Yes, I'm Max. Uh, my channel is uh, Harder Numbers. And yes, I am an extreme overclocker. And my, let's say, specialty is a World of Warcraft benchmark that I'm almost the only one that does it. And... Uh, it's a good way to measure the single thread performance of the game since it's a very old game, it's mainly single threaded, and I use it as well as a benchmark for myself to compare the architecture because uh, it can scale with frequency, uh, latency, most important. So, and I'm the only one that does it, and I have a, a lot of followers for that. So, and it's a really popular game, so you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of like. Yeah. Like Grand Theft Auto Five, sometimes I see people get mad when people benchmark Grand Theft Auto Five, and I'm like, yeah. "Well, it's the best-selling game in history, besides Minecraft, so maybe you should benchmark it every now and then." Yes, it's very popular, and it's like almost twenty years that is around. They keep doing patches and patches, but people try to stick with that and uh, use it like a anti-stress. So I play some some hours uh, to quit my stress about work and everything. So I think most of people do the same. So even if it's I, I remember last time we talked, you were benchmarking mini games. Do you still benchmark um, just another game occasionally to see if the CPUs match up roughly in a different type of game, though? Yes, yes. Um, now I just covered the, both the Intel AMD with World of Warcraft, but I'm planning to do more games uh, as well as productivity application and so on and so forth. So I want to do uh, like a broad coverage of both CPU to see what exactly uh, they excel at. So I will test everything like modern games and application and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Right, and I just wanted to make sure we said that up front because people who listen need to know that you do test the other games too before you get. Yes, your final I test advice. everything. Yes, and, and usually when I when I I have a new CPU, I spend like a day or two using only that CPU in, in, for everything, just to have a a real feel understand. Because if you do a benchmark, you know you record the number and then you put it on Excel and in Excel, and then you evaluate by the numbers. But I prefer also to to understand the the, the field. Uh, about using that CPU, you know, 
from going to Windows, navigating, using YouTube and everything, it gives me a better perspective of uh, the pure number you see in Excel. Yeah, it's funny. I do the same thing. I mean, I typically, yeah. I typically just do it with GPUs, but I, I, I mean, and I, I feel bad every time it happens, but it usually takes me like, I'm not the first one to get a review out. I'm usually like two months or more after a product is out, but it, it's because I actually sat there the 3070 or something like, or a 3090 or a 6500 XT, and I just actually made myself use it for everything for a month, and I... And I think it's something that's lacking right now, because I think the main thing you gain when you do that is, you know, all right, you unplug the product, you take it out after a month and you go, do I miss using what I was using yeah. before? Right. That's really the most important question. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, because if I have something here, I usually try to swap everything once in a while just to see, to, to leave it a bit and to see if I miss the other, the other product or if I have something that I would like more and I try another thing. And maybe uh, I can see that sometimes if you look at the, at the chart, you see something, but in reality it's a bit different. Or you find a glitch that, you know, a benefit that uh, is better than the other, even if in a chart it looks uh, below, you know. Uh, so yeah, I mean, is, uh, an example that comes to mind actually is, and it's uh, I always am surprised by what my final opinion is because you know I look up charts online, I look at the price, I have my own opinions, but then when I actually test yeah. it, like I really didn't like the thirty sixty very much because I thought it would be closer to a thirty seventy, and it was in a couple games. But then there were some games where I found areas like in Mountain Blade Bannerlord, which I play a lot, and I was like. The 3070 is 60% better in this battle. Like, this is a massive difference in performance that I don't think most people... This isn't, like, 30% better. It sometimes is 30% better, but when it got really, really bogged down with, like, 100 people on screen, the 3060 felt, like, a, just way, 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 way weaker than I thought most people were portraying it, and that made me go, I wouldn't pay remotely close to the same price as a 3070, even yeah, if I exactly. had more RAM. Yeah, I mean, I agree more, yeah. So... One thing that I remember, because I did go back and look at our previous episode, like the list of subjects we covered, uh, one thing that I, I really appreciated talking to you about a couple years ago is the IPC testing you did with Zen Plus versus Zen 2 at high clock yeah. speeds, like 5 gigahertz. I, I Not just to bring up something we've already talked about, but I think it's an important starting point here for a lot of the other stuff we're going to talk about today, like... I think a lot of people, you know, they see, I don't know, right, Zen 2 is supposed to be like, what, 15% or something higher IPC than Zen Plus, something yeah. like that. And they go, okay, so it's always 15% better. If only we could get it to 5 gigahertz. But you tested it, and you didn't just test yeah. it like, you didn't just do Cinebench or CPU-Z and then peace out and say, oh, I, you know, you actually have a insane cooler that allows you to game at like five gigahertz on Zen 2 for hours at a time. Like, what did you find the IPC difference between Zen 2 and Zen Plus was at five gigahertz? I mean, it's not linear because um, when you when you push only the frequency, <clears throat> you just you have only like a part of the picture because uh, sometimes there are bottlenecks as well, like. Uh, what, the thing I saw in the in the in the fiber clock, so infinity fabric speed. So if it's not linear, so at some point, uh, if I if I raise the clock, I tried even a six gigahertz. By the way, so uh, 
it starts, you know, uh, not giving you the performance you expect because it's not frequency linear. And you have to raise as well the, 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 the infinity fiber clock to see those gains. So at a certain point, it's pointless to go much uh, above a certain frequency. Uh, yeah, like a, the, the Intel versus AMD, you, you cannot compare really clock per clock because there's a lot of bottleneck that you have to resolve first. So in an ideal world, they will scale. You know, you you you, you go like twenty percent of the clock, and you gain twenty percent of performance. But the world is not ideal. There's still a lot of bottleneck, and especially now in this new architecture that probably we will talk about later, there's a lot a lot of bottleneck that uh, we must figure that out and you know try to to make some more uh, plain gaming field to be able to that architecture will you know shine. And some people will, uh, yeah, go on, go will, on. Uh, yeah, some people just, you know, uh, think that um, raising the frequency or do other stuff will impact. But if they don't do like memory, memory tuning, uh, some people then neglected it. And if you don't do that, you can raise the clock up to seven gigahertz and she no gains at all. Yeah, I remember actually when the recent Battlefield came out, and for some reason on PC, everyone just talks about what build they have in the chat on Battlefield. I don't know why, but someone was like, why am I getting a low frame rate? And they're like, I've got a, I don't remember what he said, I think like like a 2070, and then, you know, he had like a, I don't know, I want to say like a Rocket Lake i7 or something. And then I'm like, I typed to him, what RAM do you have? And he goes, dude, I got 32 gigabytes. And I said, I didn't ask how much. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, as long as exactly. you have over like 10. Like, no, what speed is it? And he was like 2,400 megahertz. And I'm like, yeah, that's why you're not getting a good frame rate back. Exactly, exactly. Always wants fast memory. Yeah, that's the point. That's precisely the point. You have to balance everything. If you want to, to, to have performance, you have to calculate everything. It's not just, uh, you know... You try to mix and match parts, and you expect uh, because you have that CPU. You have to to make a, a I mean, an intelligent build. You have to to balance it to find a a good balance. Yeah, what I remember too with your Zen Plus and Zen Two testing was, wasn't it? Didn't they like perform the same above five gigahertz if they were the same yes. clock speed? Yes, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of time since I I, I checked that result, but I remember yes, being mostly, very yes. close. Yeah, because um, at some point, uh, uh, <clears throat> like I said before, uh, I think it was like Zen 2 uh, wasn't scaling uh, any, any, any more abo uh, above X frequency because, you know, the fiber clock mm. was, was low. I mean, low for, for the frequency. And that if and it was like a 5 gigahertz. the fabric clock, too. I remember us talking about how you thought you'd need like 2,400 megahertz FCLK or something. Yes, uh, I tried so. like, um, uh, I think it was like... Um, 1900 or something so was the maximum achievable for that cpu because every cpu have a limit mm -hmm. that was the maximum but uh, maybe if i had more uh, probably the, the cpu was was gaming but it wasn't because the, the bottleneck was in the in, in the fabric clock and, and I that's think, yeah i go, think that's go. just important because i remember all these rumors about zen 2 hitting five gigahertz and i do yeah. know some non-final early silicon was tested of course at amd at five gigahertz using like over 150 watts probably 200 to 300 watts and my guess is amd tested it and they're like it doesn't perform any better so we should maximize efficiency at like 4.2 gigahertz because 
pushing a five gigahertz SKU out will be completely pointless, and they probably yeah out exactly like half the design phase, right? I think I'm I'm almost sure that they they're trying to play the card of the efficiency because if they I don't know push 25 25 watt more to have like one percent was pointed so it's better to keep a lower TDP play the card that we are more efficient than the competition or you know we our CPUs are as cooler uh, that is is a better benefit anyway for the user so so have you tested Zen three? At five gigahertz or higher, um, I, I I looked around your channel and I I didn't find it. Like, what did did that scale better above five gigahertz than Zen two? I think I did some um, some funny videos uh, in World of Warcraft with um, uh, trying to you know uh, to cool down uh, an Intel and then to cool down the AMD using more and more extreme overclocking to see uh, you know like a like a duel starting i think i was like water cooling and then i went to like minus 50 and then i went to minus 100 and yeah it was like a head to head for a while but then again we hit some pretty uh bottleneck and uh, yeah I, I think zen 3 was the one with the performance per clock better than the other two I tested at uh, the 10900K, mm -hmm. and it was like the worst performance uh, per clock, let's say. I mean, like the 11900K was the one that was performing better. And then, I mean, the the 10 generation, to be able to match the 11 generation, needs like 100 or 200 megahertz more. Mm -hmm. So, oh, but once you get to super high clock speeds, yeah, super high clock speed. So um, there was a, a small improvement from for what I see from from ten generation to eleven generation. So it was not a game changer at all. So I mean, five percent, ten percent, or even less. So yeah, uh, that's really interesting too. I saw you tested at six gigahertz the eleven hundred k, the one nine hundred k versus the ten nine hundred k and. I guess at four gigahertz rocket, like sure, it has like fifteen percent more IPC than Comet Lake, but and at this point, it's not even really IPC; it's performance per clock. But once you got close to six gigahertz, that the eleven nine hundred K was like five percent better performance per clock at, at most compared to Comet Lake. It really, it really makes you wonder again. Just this keeps coming up in my mind: like, why didn't they just give Comet Lake PCIe four point zero and skip Rocket Lake? It just or maybe for the i5. Yeah. Maybe you release a Rocket Lake i5 or something. I don't know. But it seems like at extreme clock speeds, which Comet Lake can hit, it just was better. <laughs> and the thing Rocket I noticed Lake. as well is that uh, 11 generation uh, wasn't able to reach the clock of the 10 generation. So mm -hmm. uh, it was better <clears throat> clock by clock. But uh, the 10 generation was, you know, you have more overclocking potential in the 10 generation than 11th. So more or less, you know, you have more clock from one side and you have more power per clock uh, on the newer one, but you cannot overclock that much. So more or less, it was like the same. So Yeah, so besides and, like PCIe yeah. 4.0, just in the PCIe lanes too, I don't even think in the NVMe, if I remember correctly, that was like all Rocket Lake had. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, for me, 11th generation didn't bring much of a, I mean, didn't bring anything at all. Uh, if I... I mean, if I have to to think that you know, ten, I have a ten generation, I have to buy a new motherboard, a uh, new CPU to have what, like five percent more? Okay. Maybe you know, if you have an, uh, uh, if you want to build a new uh, new a new PC and available that the eleven generation was okay, mm -hmm. but you know, as an upgrade, 
No, absolutely not. Yeah. Now, now it's a different story. But QH Freddy writes in and he says, Hey, Max, nice to see you back on yeah. here. In previous years, you tested some of Intel and AMD CPUs in World of Warcraft under liquid nitrogen overclocks and found that Ryzen's really didn't tend to fare well because of the difficulty maintaining Infinity fabric clocks and the high memory latency. Had you been able to overclock the 5800X3D yet? Do you think that its large L3 cache makes it fare a lot better at these higher clocks? And have you run any of the hardware bot benchmarks on the X3D yet? Any thoughts in that regard? This is a nice question. Um... It's, it's complex to explain. So, first of all, uh, the 5800X3D is not uh, overclockable CPU, so it's locked. Mm -hmm. Everything is locked. The only thing you can do is tune in the memory. Then you can do some uh, base clock overclocking, like a Scatterbench, a uh, fellow YouTuber that is pretty nice guy and super technical is a monster. But to overclock uh, this CPU uh, with higher base clock, you need like uh, the the Crosshair Hero Extreme, mm -hmm. which have a specific suite to it for that. Yeah. Yes, the Extreme. I have the, the Crosshair 8, but the Hero, the, the normal one, the Sedi Vanilla, that doesn't have that circuit that allow me to go like 104 or something, uh, you know, in base clock. Uh, I tested it at 102, so it Probably gave me like 100 megahertz or so, but uh, doing uh, I didn't minimize this video. Uh, there's a lot of benchmark about that, and I didn't gain anything basically. So like, uh, if you if you raise the clock by two percent, you cannot notice the difference. So it's not a CPU that you can overclock. But I think that is pretty useless too because uh, that massive amount of L3 uh, is able as well to to make the memory tuning ineffective. So that amount of L3 cache is so big that uh, mostly everything in the game goes there, and you don't mm -hmm. need even to have a memory overclocked. Maybe oh, for really? the 1% low, yes. Uh, if you overclock the memory, if you tune the memory, you have a slightly better, let's say, 10% in the 1% lows, you know, in the, in the performance. But uh, talking about average, uh, we, like with a very cheap memory kit or a top-notch super-tuned, there's like one FPS difference. And this is a very interesting thing because mm. uh, it allows you to make an upgrade to an older build uh, with this uh, the CPU. Even if you have like a really bad memory, you just swap the CPU. You put the 5800X 3D and your games will fly. Even if you don't touch Even anything else. So, I have a 3950X and I have the fabric yeah. clocks at 8. 1966 FCLK, which is yeah. close to the max. And then I have at like a one-to-one -one ratio, but of course doubled my RAM yes. at 3733 megahertz with tight timings. And I mean, look, I put I like overclocking, so I put a lot of effort of into perfectly matching that 3733 megahertz memory with the FCLK clock with my 3950X. It actually gets closer to Zen 3 than I think a lot of people would think. Yeah. But that's what I have. If someone has like an X370 board or an X470 board with a 2700X, they can upgrade, you're saying, to the 5800X3D and just have 3200 megahertz RAM and it'll perform almost the same yes. as if they had 4000 megahertz RAM or something. Exactly. They would, let's say, for a, Zen, for a Zen Plus to this one, they would probably gain like double the, the speed in gaming. So it's like a massive upgrade, like 100% upgrade. In, uh, and even if you have, I tested like with uh, uh, 3200 MHz XMP. So I just put an, a 3200 MHz kit RAM and that's it. I didn't do anything at all. So just one click in the BIOS and from Zen, like from Zen Plus to this 
uh, 3D was like double the performance. So, you know, virtually, because we are talking about the, a controlled environment when I use a 3090 King Ping, so at 1080p. So pretty scientific test. So probably if you are playing at 4K, it's not like that. But CPU-wise, you gain like double the performance over Zen Plus doing nothing, basically switching the CPU and that's it. So I think this is a very important thing that AMD did, Jack, uh, revamp, revamping the old platform before the switching to M5. And yeah. they did great with that, yes. And I think, let, let's go to this conversation right now then, because the whole Alder Lake versus 5800X3D discussion, which is really the main thing I wanted to talk about, um, I think what you just said, that example, and what we just talked about, that example of upgrading from an older system, especially if it's eight cores or less, to a 5800X3D, that is just a niche the 5800X3D dominates. And I think AMD knows, and because they're not idiots, that there are a yeah. lot of people that have a 1700X, a 2700X, exactly. a 3600, you know, and they're like, hey, you don't need to do anything. Take off the cooler, put this in, top of the line Alder Lake gaming performance. You don't need to buy anything new. You can still use your old RAM. You can still use your old RAM with Alder Lake, but better be good RAM. Like, really good RAM if yeah, you plan to do yeah. that, unless you're getting a budget Alder Lake CPU, which then it probably doesn't matter. But I, I, I think that needs to be stated up front that obviously that is what I would recommend to anyone who has an old system and wants to go from exactly. a less than eight core old CPU to a new one and you don't have the flashiest memory. But I have to say, I, I want to know what your opinion is about people uh, building a new system now. Like, if yeah, you would this recommend. Is the point. Right, and this is something people get mad at me about in the comments, but but yeah, go on. AMD probably did the smartest thing they ever did. So with this chip, it have, it have like a, a very specific target because you know it target people who have like a, an old AM4 builds. So it specifically targeted to that that kind of people. They just they just don't want to you know swap the CPU and, and, and that's it. And I think probably because you know as you may know that the, the frequency of the 5800X3D is lower than a normal 5800. So what I think they did is a, like recycling chip that wasn't you know boosting because the silicon quality was bad. They just put the the, the 3D cache in it and they resell it like this. This is what my my thing, my thought are. They're just recycling chip that doesn't meet the standard of a regular one. They put the, the 3D yeah, cache in it and they sell it. <laughs> so it's probably the smartest move that AMD did ever. Because at the end, it's a very nice product. So it's a product that can top the scale in the charts. And just like that, you just swap the CPU into the old build. If we talk about a new build, this is another story. Because well, and um, before you continue, I just yeah. want to jump into another thing to make up front. It, whether no matter what I recommend, the 5800X3D makes Intel look silly, like because they just threw this yeah. thing out there that costs less to make and they win again at a lot of scenarios. So I do want to be clear that whether or not you would recommend Alder Lake, AMD looks smarter. But go on. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's impressive. It's like, you know, the, the Mortal Kombat fatality. Boom. <laughs> you know, comes out the, the, the new Intel CPU, MD, like, snap. Mm -hmm. uh, here it is. Basically using two-year-old technology again. Yes, but probably recycling. Probably recycling something that was, you know, in the trash can. Something mm -hmm. like that. This is my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I think that it probably is, is what happened, you know? Recycling something old, 
put some cash in it uh, and bam it was a very smart move yeah so talking about new builds this is a different story and there's a lot of if because if now um i want to build a new system to play uh, the game that i play uh, you have to make a lot of consideration uh, it's a tough discussion i want to to, to make it very uh, easy to understand so uh, the big if is like uh, okay i change now because i need to because some people try to wait for the new socket wait for the new socket wait if you need something and you need it right now i would probably recommend the intel one uh, mm -hmm. and now i uh, i tell you why there's a big if so I'm hoping that this time NVIDIA learn from these past errors and make this uh, you mean socket. Intel. Yeah, Intel, sorry. Uh, Intel uh, make this socket at least compatible with the next one, with the Rocket Lake. It should because be. That, that was an error. Uh, doing oh, you know, oh, a lot oh, of I socket. Mean, and how, where do we even start with the, how dumb Intel was? I mean, did, yeah. you needed a new socket for the 9900K from the 8700K. Yeah, it's, it's complete nonsense. Yeah, people remember that, and you know, you, you you lose brand because you lose reputation because they say, "Oh, come on!" Intel every time change the socket, they go with the MD, and they keep a socket for three or four generation. Uh, so if Intel will, you know, keep the socket for the next Which, one, based on we, what I'm told, they will. Right? It should be is dropping compatible unless they make They're a last minute decision let's put it this way everybody yeah. it absolutely can be compatible if it isn't it's because they were stupid it was a choice it wasn't because it's not yeah okay let's assume that we keep doing this. so if i have to 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 advise some somebody to 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 do a gaming pc because we, we, are, we are talking about gaming pc probably the 12th generation will be the best choice because right now and probably with the dr4 uh, because uh, well there's another big if the big if is if Raptor Lake can be compatible it with is. DDR4 or not. It is. So, okay, if, it, if it's true, I will probably uh, try to advise to buy a good DDR4. So, probably the, the, the best thing right now for a gamer is to buy, like, um, uh, let's say, a, a ROG Strix uh, uh, DDR4 motherboard, top of the line for DDR4, a good motherboard with good potential of in overclocking, and will probably, you know, last for years. If you do like the the, the new build with the 5800 uh, X3D, this is the end of the line. So you just make that build, you have to sell it in uh, three years or so. With the Intel probably, maybe you can, you have a chance to to be able to upgrade it to Raptor Lake or or whatever for a gaming build. Because now if you you can you can find pretty cheap DDR4 that are BDI or good chips. Mm -hmm. And easy overclock it to for four thousand, for example. That is left the, the top, uh, let's say the top frequency to for twelfth generation in gear one. Because if you are running DDR five, you will be running gear two. If you are running DDR four, you'll be running in gear one. So four four thousand is more or less the what you want to to do. And now I think with hundred and something bucks, you can buy a very nice DDR four kit. Yeah, I, that's why I recently upgraded and just yeah. used my old 3600 or megahertz DDR4 for my i5 Alder Lake testing system because it's compatible and I was just blown away by how cheap DDR4 is now. I might as well go to 32 gigabytes. Yeah, exactly. And for what my, my latest testing was like DDR4 versus DDR5. I tested the, the, the 12600K and the 
12900K. It turns out that uh, in some cases the DR4 is even a bit faster. So there's no point at all now running the DR5 for two reasons. Because now they are super expensive. So they cost like six times or five times more to have a very nice kit. And then probably the, the top of the line DDR5 kit you buy it right now, next year will be rubbish. Mm-hmm. Because now we are talking about six, uh, 6,400 or something like that. Next year probably we'll have 8,000. We so. will. And I just want to warn people, like, here, here's how I'd put it. Talking to people at like HP and Dell, they're paying 10 to 20% more per gigabyte for DDR5 over DDR4. That's it. That's all it costs more. Right now, there's yeah. a lot of milking going on on a Newegg lot. with these. And I just want to warn people what you're seeing with graphics card prices right now, it's going to happen to DDR5 later this year. So just yeah. know if you buy it now, it better be because you have to, because it really, I wouldn't get the top of the line DDR5 because it is going to get cheaper. Yeah, probably. As always, everything that you know goes out, uh, they know that there are people enthusiastic, the people that are eager to try out new stuff, and they're able to pay the premium price for the new technology. So they are making on it for sure. But now you know the technology is running very fast. So something that is high end now next year will be really a a paperclip. <laughs> so. Well, you know, and I think there's another facet to building a new system now when you decide between a Zen 3D or an Alder Lake system is price. Like a lot of people talk about how X570 is cheaper. And, you know, let's just say it's $50 cheaper than a nice X690 board. Sure. But also the i5, I don't know why no one talks about this. Yes, I understand the 5800X3D is like effectively tied with a 12900k maybe one percent it depends on which website i go to one percent better one percent worse but the i5 is five percent weaker than that at gaming and costs 250 in the u.s right now yes i, I mean i love the 12600k because with, with a good memory tuning something daily nothing extreme so something that everybody can do uh is a it's a, at least in world of warcraft we have like five FPS uh, difference. So like what is one is like two, 207 FPS. The other one is like uh, uh, 2000, which yeah. I, sorry, 200. So there's like five, seven FPS you're difference. you're at 200. So like, what are we even, yeah, exactly. people game at 120 at most. So the, the i5, the actual uh, K version i5, I think is probably the best buy right now. Uh, so it, if somebody asks me, what is the best uh, CPU for World of Warcraft? i5, 12, uh, 600K, and okay, and a, and a, a decent pair of, uh, of memory. And I think if you if you take in mind that uh, with the price of the CPU and the, the money that you have left uh, compared to the 5800 uh, X3D, you have the money to buy a good uh, DDR4 kit. Mm-hmm. And even right. save money. And am I wrong that the i5 needs less of the super fast memory compared to the i9 like it's the i9 that benefits more from ddr5 no i think at least i saw hardware unboxed find that 6400 megahertz memory does help the i9 but maybe not the lower end ones as much uh, again here we are talking about um bottlenecks uh, for what i see uh, the i9 is a monster because uh, i had some issue with my apex board so i wasn't able to to go faster than 6600 uh with the memory and because it's still bottlenecking at that uh, that speed so uh, let's say uh they are similar now the i9 and the i5 uh both at the same uh, speed which is like the 
the, the best I was able to was like 6600. Uh, D9 can do much more, but it needs more memory. So it probably is like a bit, um, how can I say, it's chained, it's chained to the memory speed right now. So the i9 can do better than this. Mm-hmm. But maybe if we have like faster RAM in the future, the i9 will, will be able to perform better. So it's not that the, the i5 it does not benefit, it's just the i9 will do more. Right. Today's video is brought to you by CDKeyOffer.com. As I put together a new benchmarking station for 2022, I know that whether it's running Windows 10 or Windows 11, I will be getting that key from CDKeyOffer.com. And that's because it's a reliable, long-term sponsor of Moore's Law is Dead that gets you reasonable prices on legitimate keys for these types of products but it's really not all that they offer they also can give you keys for microsoft office uh keys for playstation codes and even some of the latest pc releases like elden ring a game that i enjoying quite a bit whatever you need cd key offer probably has you covered and they're always running sales but make sure you use the best code possible and that's the ones provided for the moore's law is dead fans moore's law is dead fans get the biggest discount and if you go to the link on screen or in the description you can use code broken silicon to get 25 percent off microsoft products and dyshring to get three percent off everything else on the website using these codes really does help moore's law is dead and it helps you play reasonable prices for games that you want in keys that frankly you just have to use half of the time so again use the link in the description use broken silicon use dyshring depending on the products you're getting and pay reasonable prices for keys today at cdkeyoffer.com and so i guess that's something to think about too is the whole raptor like upgrade that's why i if you're if you're min maxing price performance i recommend ddr4 with the yeah. i5, because even yes. if you upgrade to Raptor Lake and a Raptor Lake i7, which should be basically the equivalent of an Alder, actually a little better than an Alder Lake i9 um, later this year, you don't need to get the i7 right away either. Like these CPUs, I'm pretty sure are going to drop in price quickly because yeah. we have Raptor Lake, then Zen 4, then Meteor Lake next year, then the next year Arrow Lake, next to Zen 5. So there's going to be a lot of generations coming up. So you could also just wait for that. I mean, look how cheap some uh, Zen 3 CPUs are getting after two years. What yeah. do you think is going to happen when there's more competition? I think I think those Raptor Lake CPUs are going to drop in price quickly. And who knows? Maybe you'll get a $250 i5 now, and then you'll get a $250 Raptor Lake i7 near the end of next year. You know? Probably, and yeah. You cannot yeah. do that with the 5800X3D. Now, at the same time, you know, by then maybe you'll be looking at Zen 5 anyways, but... I don't. It's just so hard for me to recommend building a new system with a 5800X3D yeah. if you want a budget build or a crazy build. But I think in the middle, it really kind of dominates a ton if you already have a motherboard. Yes, I think they have um, they have different targets, user target. Because I recently did a, a poll, I think yesterday, in my Twitter account. Uh, I don't didn't get much. It was like 50 people, you know, voting. But I saw that like seven percent uh, was like uh, I'm going with Intel. Like 50%, I will go with the, the, the 5800X3D if I have an AM4 motherboard. And like another like 40% straight away with the, with the, even if they don't have. So people are more toward the uh, AMD. Maybe I don't know if it's something like Fanboy or something that AMD is more popular. 
Well, but, um, to give yeah. some benefit of the doubt, I would say I think there is just a massive mindshare advantage now. And what you're saying is backed up by some distributors I've talked to that own like micro centers and stuff. They they can't keep the 5800X3D in stock at $450. And so whether or not it's the best choice, a lot of people are buying it either way, right? I, I think a lot of it is people who already have the motherboards, though, to be honest. They would be happy anyway, because it's a, it's a very nice CPU. It's a very nice CPU. And honestly, 16 threads are a lot. Mm-hmm. Even if you do like some you know video editing stuff like home using, you know, if you're not a professional that needs a lot of core, it's still a nice CPU. And probably no, I think nobody will be you know um, regretting the decision to buy the CPU because it's, it's obviously a very nice one. You can game, you can do productivity, you can do a bit of a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you do do productivity, the i7's $380, and that has more threads, or wait, does yes. it have more? F- yeah, it has eight plus, yeah, yeah it has 20, more threads. Yeah. So I think that's worth keeping in mind, too. The i5's 5% weaker. In some productivity, it actually beats the 5800X3, but generally speaking, it's about tied. The i7 is better productivity, is 2% weaker. The i9, well, it blows, it blows it away in productivity, to be honest. Yes, you know? and so that's why... Productivity. Yeah. That's for a new build that we'll go with Intel right now, because they, they, they do a lot of stuff and they do everything well. The 5800X3D is like a game focused CPU right now. Because uh, if you need, you know, do big rendering, whether you can go with a 5950X or a Threadripper. But if you, are, if you are a gamer, that is the CPU that is worth buying. But if you do a bit of everything or if you want something that is more flexible, yeah, for i9 or the i7 is a nice CPU. And it yeah, can I... match the gaming performance of the other. So it needs a bit of tweaking, but there's a like guide about everything now. So. I'm honestly a bit disappointed there isn't a 5950X3D because I would have upgraded to that if it was an mm-hmm. option, but it's it's not. And if it's not, it to be honest, I don't have any problem running my games at 120 yeah, hertz with the 3950X anyways. I think probably they didn't do because um, probably uh, it was a, a hit in the frequency and the Maybe the, the application that was designed to so a lot of uh, multi-threader application rely a lot on frequency, and maybe if they had a bigger L3 cache, the gain for that specific application was not enough to justify a production for that CPU. So uh, even probably I, uh, there are some applications that like prefer to have a higher frequency than a bigger L3. So I think they did that calculation. So to keep the 3D technology for gaming and not mm-hmm. for professional application. Because if I have like a 5950 that runs at, I don't know, 5, 4.6 uh, in multi-threading, and then I have the 3D version running at 4.2, overall the performance are less. Well, that you brings know? up an interesting question, like which SKUs should get Vcache? Cole Addict writes in, he says, Hi, Tom yeah. and Max. Which Zen 4 models do you expect we'll see getting 3D stacked cache variants later this year? It seems like a double-edged sword in that the lower tier models won't gain much from it, whereas higher tier risk thermal problems. Do you expect them to release one for the highest end model at this time? And I don't, you know, I, I've been talking to some people. I, I suspect most of Zen 4 is still not going to have Vcache at launch. But if they can get out a Vcache laden 8 core with Zen 4 with, you know, the high clock speeds and um, 
massive IPC increase on top. I feel like they should, though, at least do the eight core so that Raptor Lake has no chance of winning in gaming performance, right? This is a nice question because I think uh, this is a lot of strategy in that. So I think probably they will do, um, if they are smart, they will do like a Ryzen 5 with Vcash. So for the budget gamer to have like, you know, uh, super performance uh, with a low price. Probably an 8 core as well, if they are smart. Maybe, maybe the, uh, an high-end like uh, the 7950X normal and with Vcash. Mm-hmm. One probably with a higher frequency and the other one with Vcash and lower frequency. Because again, uh, when you enter in the uh, in the you know high performance depth of computing, you know a workstation stuff like that, there's a lot of uh, difference in application uh, requirements. So some some application requires a lot of RAM. Some needs bare frequency. Some need a faster L3 cache. So there's a lot of uh, um, use case that they must consider before launching a product. So probably if they see fit, they will do probably both. The 3D version with lower clocks and another one with a, without and a higher clocks. This is my guess. Yeah, I think it all comes down to how competitive Raptor Lake is. Uh, if That's Raptor well, yes. Lake is surprisingly a real threat to Zen 4, then I feel like they, I mean, if they wanted to, you're right, they could do 7600X through 59, through 70. 950x all with vcash yeah. they could do all of them if they wanted to or at least half of them and you know like the non-vcash model for people who don't need that but personally if zen 4 blows raptor lake out of the water which i think it certainly could um i feel like they're not going to give you vcash below the 7800 <laughs> because why <laughs> they know gamers will pay for it they can't keep the 5800 x3d in stock so why would they give it to the, you know, why they give it to the plebs? I don't know why they would. Correct, correct. If they can capitalize on that, why not? What are you expecting out of the performance of Zen 4 versus Raptor Lake? And just to recap, what I'm expecting out of Raptor Lake is eight big cores, 16 little cores, so doubling the amount of little cores, eight yeah, to probably. 15% higher single threading. Now that's probably from like a three to 5% IPC increase and then like a three to 5%. So that'd be like 4% times 4% or so you get almost to around 10% higher single threading, maybe 15%. And that means turbo boost probably above 5.7 gigahertz or around 5.7 gigahertz or around there. Like I said, gigahertz. And then all P core turbo boost. I I I do expect all the P cores on the top A9 to hit 5.5 gigahertz. And that means 30 to 40 percent higher multi threading. So that's Raptor Lake. And then with Zen 4, I think they may bring out some boutique higher core count models. But for right now, the plan is 16 cores above 5 gigahertz with 20 to 40 percent percent higher ipc which you're for the people who are paying attention if you're getting 10 percent higher single threaded with raptor lake but double the little cores and that gets you 40 percent higher multi-threading well zen 4 20 to 40 percent higher ipc it's about the same amount more <laughs> multi-threading as raptor lake so i think it can be competitive so how do you expect this to shake out where we have two generations well above five gigahertz it seems like yeah, I think uh, it's a very interesting time to be in the CPU, you know, competitive fight because right now we have amazing technology on both sides, uh, competitive pricing as well, and performance that uh, you know are, I think, let's say, overkill for most gamers right now with this generation. So the next one generation will be even better. Uh, AMD uh, have the benefit that uh, they, they they 
they don't need to make you know small little course efficiency core because they are really efficient on the main mm-hmm. course. So this is the, the strength of AMD. They have a they can they, they can just put some you know the core that are very efficient. They have a very good algorithm for the boost. So uh, the the Zen uh, CPUs are very smart. So they can, they can play with power, they can play with efficiency, they can give you uh, a, a very uh, fast and small burst in frequency when the, the CPU, the, when the, the, the game or the application needs it, and maintain a sustained, you know, all-core boost uh, with efficiency. This is the, the main strength of AMD. Intel take, took another, another, another road, having, you know, performance core and small efficient one. Which is fine. Uh, it's more tricky. I mean, for like the Windows schedulers, stuff like that. So they need more ecosystem built around that. So AMD is more like a, a, a raw power. Uh, everything is like a, is is on, is on hardware. Uh, Intel needs more like ecosystem to to make it work properly because uh, now the e-cores are, are giving some trouble in some games. So I, I saw that uh, you have to manually set the cache uh, to avoid uh, dips in, in performance or to disable the e-core in some games. Uh, so it's a more uh, different um, architecture, but probably they will fix you know the issue with the new generation. Probably yeah. Zen- and I think that's why they have eight little cores with Alder Lake, because I've seen people ask me that, like, why didn't they give it more little cores from the beginning? And it's because... They knew they would have to fix it before they bring out 16 little cores with Raptor Lake, and they're kind of taking this year of Alder Lake being out to try to get it working perfectly. Yeah, I think there needs some some tuning, uh, like I said, like in Windows, because uh, you, you don't want to, to, to have like a lot of small cores, and the application on the, on the games uh, will run to that uh, small cores, and it will completely destroy the performance. So they need tweakings uh, as well, like they need tweak for DDR5. And I think Zen 4 will be impacted by DDR5 because every time you change a platform and you put a new memory, they will probably we will have you know months of bugged BIOS because uh, I'm sh- pretty sure that everything at launch will be a mess. So. This is for sure. Intel took, took this step now, so probably the next generation of the DR5 system from Intel will be a bit more, you know, uh, used to handle the DR5. Uh, it's a very interesting stuff we, we will see in, with this generation. So, yeah, probably the, the Zen 4 will be using 3D cache. They will be uh, using higher frequency. Maybe what I really hope that we'll do, they will try to run the fabric faster. Mm-hmm. Because again, well, who it, know? You know, that's something I can't even confirm yet. Is like exactly what's going on with the fabric clock? Because this is an entirely new generation. So who knows if that yeah. and a new platform? Who knows if this maybe it's not needed? Maybe we yeah, don't maybe, even maybe, worry about it anymore. You know? Yeah, exactly. So it's all about speculation right now. And at the end. Uh, I would like to, to to have one here to 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 see what they change, what not, because I, I usually try to to I like to speculate. You know, sometimes I push the the, the, the CPU with liquid nitrogen and everything to see the limits, to see exactly where the bottleneck is at a stupid high frequency. Uh, some some people say, yeah, what you do is like useless because uh, you do something that is super extreme and doesn't. Uh, you know, it's not practical at all. But I know it's like Formula One, but I discover limits of doing that. It's fun first. And then I do that for, to understand the limits and to, let's say, to predict where they can fix uh, They can fix something the next generation. And I, f- 
I think it, it worked. You know, two years ago, we, we did that and I more or less predicted everything that was uh, happening. So I think it's, it's a good method to, to understand. So you're, you bringing up the bugs in a new platform is an interesting, it's an interesting thing to bring up because I, I know one of the main, AMD considered an X670 for Zen 3, but they said it'd be slightly better. X570 has no bugs anymore. Why don't we just keep using X570 so it's well-supported? Intel has that advantage now with Raptor Lake. They'll have a platform that's yeah. well-supported, has the bugs worked out, has the scheduling stuff, DDR5 support figured out. And AMD is the one where you're going to have to worry, is it really ready? And Dr. Forbin yeah. writes in, he says, hello, Tom and Max. I own a few AMD rigs, though I suspect AM5 may be in my future. I have a rig with an R7 2700X into an ROG Crosshair X370 with 32 gigabytes of RAM that I'm keeping as an emulation box. And then I also plan on upgrading my X470 ROG Crosshair build with a 5800X or X3D and a new GPU too. Anyways, I feel a platform with DDR5 is going to have ridiculous costs, and it seems to me basically any new platform has issues besides cost. I mean, look at the issues Intel has had with some games in Windows 11. So is it a good idea to wait for AM5 since I'm not a pro gamer, or should I be holding off on upgrading to buy it? Because like, he's basically asking, should I be waiting to buy AM5 at the end of the year if it's just going to have bugs anyways? I mean, uh, yeah, I think... It's an interesting question, as always, because people have to make, you know, to ask themselves a lot of questions before buying, because you you maybe are wasting money, you're wasting time, uh, so it's wise to carefully evaluate, uh, you know, your upgrading path. And I think M5 will be, yeah, to not, uh, you know, understating anything, will be a mess for the first month. So you, you buy everything, you know, a, a good M5 motherboard, a good CPU, and then you have to start tweaking with the BIOS. And then you will see strange things, because, like, I remember when AMD launched Zen 1. It was a mess. For the first, uh, probably three or four months, RAM wasn't working uh, below JDEC, so above JDEC, so... I think I expect maybe not like that, but if yeah, I buy I an M5, uh, better at it now. I bet they don't have as many problems. At least I suspect. I can't promise. Yeah, I think M5. You have to to take in consideration and part of the bill uh, some of uh, you know tweaking and uh, spending some times around bugs or the BIOS version. So this is something that will be considered. I mean, he. He should be like the, the perfect candidate for the 5800X3D because you already have an, uh, a good uh, M, M4 motherboard. Uh, it, you want to, to change the GPU, so probably it might get you get along well with that CPU. Or it depends because it depends a lot of what you do. If you are a gamer and you do only gamer or only 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 gaming, maybe the 5800X3D is okay until uh, you know then. Six, <laughs> but then you'll be waiting yeah. for Zen Seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you have to 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 see the actual. You know, uh, when I upgrade something, uh, I I need to understand uh, if I change something now, what benefit brings me, uh, what money I have to spend to have that benefit, or it's better to wait. Uh, at some point, you end up uh, like my PC is low. I'm getting mad every day, so you know I have to change it now, mm -hmm. and I probably. You have to do it like this because if you if you want to wait the new generation, you will end up you know waiting forever because everything is better than the previous. As you know, it's normal. 
So to, to answer to him, I don't know, M5 will be probably difficult at the beginning. Uh, the 5800 X3D is a plug and play. M5 will be plug and play. So this is a consideration that it should do. Well, yeah, you know, I'd say if you were, I think Zen 4 is, is definitely going to come out by, uh, if I had to guess it's going to come out like beginning of quarter four and a quarter three this year, I, I would say if you could wait, and that's, you know, like six months from now, if you can wait six more months, why can't you wait seven? Like, let's say there's a bunch of bugs when it comes out. Okay, yeah, so exactly. wait one more month, you know, <laughs> like, and well, then I'm, maybe prices yeah. will come down. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe it'll be so in demand that it's, you won't be able to get one, but I just don't. I think this year is going to be more like 2019 than 2020. It'll be more like yeah. when Zen 2 came out where, yeah, it was in demand, but you could get it. I, I think, and, and especially with Intel having Raptor, like even if Raptor Lake isn't as good as Zen 4, it's still way better than, you know, like Coffee Lake versus Zen. It's still way more competitive than where yes. Intel was before. So that's going to force some competition for availability and pricing that I think means you, you're not going to have to wait like half a year to get your hands on Zen 4. Just wait an extra two months, wait for the BIOSes to be updated, and then you'll be fine. And, and for all we know, it'll work perfectly at launch. Like, I, I'm pretty sure AMD's going to want to... Like, to be honest, what I hear about Zen 4 is that if they really wanted to, they could launch it this summer, but they want DDR5 to get cheaper first. And they yeah. want to launch without the bugs Zen 2 had because they just don't want to do that again. That would be wise, yes. And as well, you have to consider as well the, the used market. So mm -hmm. let's say you wait seven months. You want to see if the AM5 is okay or is going to drive you mad. And if you if it's going to drive you mad, okay, let's uh, buy the 5800 X3D. You can buy it second hand, and probably you will spend less. And the CPU doesn't really, you know. Uh, uh, you cannot ruin a CPU because you buy the second second hand, so it's, it's, a, it's a safe buy. And probably you will end up like paying, you know, three hundred and fifty bucks or something that is really performing with bugs free. And then you know you wait, aim, you know Zen six, and you upgrade like that. So it's always good if you're not like me that I'm addicted to technology that I want the last technology like now. Uh, it's usually better to to wait like two months, three months to see if it, how it's doing, no? And I think this leans into the next question, too. Alex writes in and he says, I have a 3700X on an MSI X570 Meg Ace. I pray primarily game on and 1440p with a 2080 Ti, but I do multitask. I watch YouTube, monitor Discord, and have multiple game launchers updating all the time in the background while I'm gaming, and from time to time, even light content creation. It's nothing that 3700X can't handle for now, so any upgrade to a Ryzen 5000 CPU is going to be a big uplift. But my main question is, as I'm looking to maximize my platform longevity, measured in years, against the demands of future games and software, how should I balance the faster cores of a 5900X or 5900 or 5950 X against the V-cache of a 5800X3D. Should I go up core count or up V-cache? For reference, one retailer here has the 5800X3D for £409, and the 5900X is £359, and the 5950X is £499. I think there's a fair few in a similar situation to me, so I really would appreciate your thoughts, and I'm sure others will as well. My answer to him is, you said nothing the 3700X can't handle, then why are you upgrading? 
Yeah, this is a good point. Fair point. I mean, especially if you are playing at uh, 1440p. Uh, okay, the 2080 Ti is not a bad CPU. C GPU is still a good C CPU, a GPU. And probably for most of the game, uh, he's uh, GPU limited. Mm -hmm. So maybe if, if uh, you know, probably I think it was like Battlefield 5 or something that was really, really heavy on the, on the multi-threading performance. But... Uh, not every game uh, use a lot of cores, so probably it's better to, to spend money on GPU. Well, right now it's still a tricky, it's a tricky time to, to be, you know, changing the GPUs, but... Well, here's uh, the sometime... thing, actually. I don't know about where you live, which I believe is in Spain, but in the US, the 6700 XT was in stock at MSRP at AMD.com until like 2 p.m. today. And the 6700 yeah, XT is too, yeah. so it's getting, it's getting better. It's getting fast. better, yeah. A lot, lot. I so I see like forty percent less uh, in two weeks. Mm -hmm. So now the the prices are getting like I think uh, there was like the thirty sixty Ti at like four hundred and something, four hundred and seventy. So okay, a pretty decent price for a decent GPU. Uh, not yet at MSRP, but I think the retailer, the e-tailer, doesn't want to to scalp too much right now because they, they saw the pricing decreasing so probably they want to to avoid to keep stock uh, too much mm -hmm. probably with, with backlash you know they, they buy a lot of stock and then the price start dropping 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 and they lose a lot of money oh so. they're freaking out right now the ones i talked yeah. to because that scalper probably <laughs> well that 3060 ti selling for 470 euro uh, they probably bought it for 440 <laughs> so they know if they go down yeah. lower, they're going to lose money. So I'm sure, but honestly, there's nothing they can do anymore. These prices are going to keep going down, and I think they know it. They're just trying yeah. to get away with the extra 10 bucks they can. So, okay, let's say that the GPU market is uh, is healthy again. Uh, to answer to Alex, yes, the, the 3700X is a pretty nice CPU. So probably... Uh, Unless you are playing games like World of Warcraft or like I don't know Warzone, for example, At there are few or like a, yeah, they're like a, uh, Star Wars or the Republic. I think there are few games that really benefit from um, a really fast uh, CPU in single thread. So if it's playing like a AAA game, probably that CPU will handle for years, and probably it's better to invest money in a in a, in a powerful GPU. So it really depends of the habits on the user. So it's hard to, you know, to if, if you don't read some title, it's hard to, to, to give an advice right now because uh, um, the 3700X is a all around a nice CPU. You can do almost everything nicely. Then if you want to excel or to play like 240 Hz, okay, that's a different story. You have to, 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 to understand and to, to mold, you know, to, to, to make the, the build accordingly to that specific usage yeah i mean i would just say it seems like he mostly games i mean it still is eight cores so i would actually kind of lean towards the 5800 x3d over the other higher core count cpu probably yes unless probably yes. you end up like if the 5950x was the same price it'd be hard for me to not get double the cores <laughs> you know if i do some content creation but for him that seems like the right choice but again i i would i the only question I would have is, is there any game you're not maxing out the frame rate on with your CPU? If there are a few, then it's like, uh, maybe if you want to, you know, treat yourself right now, why not? But if there's not 
a sync because sometimes this ha- there's not literally a single game <laughs> that you're not maxing out the frame rate on. The longer yeah. you wait, the better the stuff's going to be. And not just this year, but next year and the year after as well. I, I don't know what you think about this. Like, let me just put things in perspective. So we've covered how good, of course, uh, Raptor Lake and Zen 4 is likely to be this year. But I believe quarter two next year, we're going to get Meteor Lake. I don't know if it increases cores over Raptor Lake, but I do know it brings 10 to 20% higher IPC again. And then it's going to bring specialized accelerator blocks like neural engines and different encoding yeah. things like and way better integrated graphics. And then right after that comes Zen 5, which I hear has Zen 4 like IPC gains again and accelerator blocks again and probably more cores again. It's very hard for me to... I'm excited about Zen 4 because I'm excited that when I have a Zen 2 CPU, Zen 4 is probably going to be over twice as good. That's really cool. But I know Zen 5 is going to be at least 50% better than that. So it's, how do you feel about that, like telling people to upgrade when every year stuff's going to be 50 to 100% better? It's crazy. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because I think now we are hitting like the the overkill range. Uh, so, I mean, I think uh, with the next generation, we probably will be really overkill because uh, you don't need too much CPU power if you are playing games. I mean, if you are talking like game in gaming, in gaming life is we are now approaching a limit that even an i3 can make your game uh, pretty nice. So mm-hmm. if I think you know now the the i3, uh, the current i3, I have here a twelve hundred F, so mm-hmm. the hundred bucks CPU, and it's doing great. I mean I'm, I can play a game at one hundred and sixty FPS with that. Okay, I have only uh, four plus four cores, so it's a very small CPU for not for for multitasking, but for gaming I can play uh, really nice with that. And if I think the architecture, it was like the old eighty seven hundred K. So more or less, you know, uh, even so, even the, a new small CPU will be a beast. And yeah, probably, that's, that's yeah. an interesting thing to bring up, by the way, too, is like if we're talking about budget builds, you don't even need to get the i5 12600K. You could get that i3, and as long as you're not trying to game, game above 120 hertz, you could just you can get do that, that as well. DDR4, and then guess what? Later this year or next year when it gets cheaper, you can 300 bucks will probably buy you a... What would it be then? Like a twenty, a sixteen core i seven next year. Exactly. You go from four to sixteen cores next year. And just why not do that? You know, that can be smart. Start with the i three, see if it's okay for you, and then you know, upgrading later on in the maybe in the user market because there's always people that want the the new technology and they sell the other one for cheap because they have they need cash to to buy the new one. Maybe you can find an i seven for for cheap. This is a good strategy. It needs a bit of, you know, knowing and looking, but it pays off. But but what do you think is going to happen then if, because I just want to put things in perspective, because I do think eventually game developers are going to find something to do with all of this horsepower. They will. Once, you know, for example, like you said, the current i3 is as strong as an 8700K. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, what happens, though... When an i3, which I think a, I think it's entirely plausible, a Meteor Lake i3 is as good as a 9900K. Like, what oh, happens yes. when, like, even yeah. budget laptops have gaming CPUs better than what we had five years ago? I'm sure developers will find something to use that for in video games, but I don't think that's going to happen for a few years. I don't think right away they're going to use that. So what do you think is going to happen, though? Like, again, like, right now... 
Zen 4, if it has, let's just say it's, you know, 50% better than Zen 3, which was 30% better than, like, we're looking at double the performance of Zen 2, I'd say, yeah. at least. What happens when Zen 5 is 50%, so three times better? Like, what are we even going to recommend people buy when we have things three times better than a 3950X for 180 bucks or something? Exactly. And there's a, there's a very important thing that uh, uh, you bring up. Uh, let's say, I, ca I can compare the, the 1200F the small chip and everything, and then 9900K, so the X top of the line. But the small one, now I'll say World of Warcraft, performed way better in the in the in the 1% lows. Why? Because they made some changes at the hardware level from security stuff and uh, that you know the I think it was the spectrum, so the mitigation for that kind of threat. So now they are on hardware and. Uh, the smallest CPU right now is performing better than the old, the, the top old one because they they put some something in silicon, so um, uh, threat mitigation are now in silicon and before before that uh, the the ninety the ninety nine hundred K was really performing bad in the one percent low because of that. So sometimes there are more extraction instruction in the CPU that newer generation have integrated by default on hardware level. Mm -hmm. So probably. Yes, the, the game developer will develop more on more core, but it's going to take time. So uh, probably, the, I think, uh, like Intel, maybe they, they try to integrate something apart from the cores, like, you know, machine learning stuff, uh, instruction, everything that is like an accessory. Uh, video, video decoder, for example. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Mac user for my editing stuff, and you know, back in the day, Intel was a was very nice to have like the quick sync technology to help you decode video and code video faster. And probably maybe they will do something like that. They cannot you know run for frequency or IPC forever. They can scale with core. They can run more IPC, of course. But we probably I think they will integrate some function to to step up the game a bit. And the game developer, maybe they will take advantage of that. More multi-trading, more advanced functions, something like that. This is my idea. No, I, I think so, too. I think, you know, because I leaked... God, what, is that already a year ago? I, I did a micro... Time flies. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's something about Meteor Lake where I got confirmation that Meteor Lake is going to have a built-in neural engine for uh, accelerating all different types of media. And I talked to one of the people at Intel, like, working on it, like, why now? Why not before? And they're like, well, we have eight cores, and then we have a bunch of little cores for multi-threading. And then after that, it's like we could add more little cores... Or we could add a neural engine that specific tasks exactly. is a thousand times faster. And yeah, maybe you'll only apply to 10, 20% of the things you can do. But would we rather make everything 5% better or make 10% of the things you do a thousand times better? Yeah, look look at NVIDIA that. with a tensor core. <laughs> NVIDIA with a tensor core, Apple with M1. They're trying to move uh, in different ways, ex you know, apart from the cores, the pure uh, core power. So I think it's wise to, to make CPUs smarter. I mean, smarter and more uh, to do to do more function at once. Um, Manor Down writes in. He says, "Hola, Max and Tom. How does testing 0.1% lows versus 1% lows differ in importance? Does the user feel 0.1% lows more?" Lastly, how do you avoid measuring frame drops in a game due to assists being loaded in, hitching while the game is loading and starting? Is not due to the CPU or it's not well. It is 
kind of do to the CPU, but it's not like what you'll experience while you're actually gaming. And that is a thing that annoys me all the time when I'm benchmarking. This is a nice question. So uh, let's say you have the average. That is something that you normally perceive naked eyes. Okay, so the average is like, if you check your FPS once in a while, is what you see usually. This is the average. Then you have the 1% lows. 1% lows are, let's say, uh, when the CPU is stressed, for example, you do a multiplayer, you go like in a, in a zone when there's a lot of player, the CPU will be stressed. So you will probably seeing the, the 1% low numbers. So when you're going, you're working in a, in a very stressful situation for the CPU, you will probably see the FPS of the 1% in mm-hmm. that specific time. Then you will see a spike uh, to, to, to see the FPS rise again. But when you are in a stressful situation, you will see the 1% low numbers. And then you have the 0.1% low. That is like the worst case scenario. So you you go like in a in a very populated area in a multiplayer game. Everybody start casting spells, uh, you know, shooting, doing a lot of crazy stuff, and then we probably you will hit the point one percent low. So it's like the the lowest spike the game will uh, will do. So let's say average is if you play solo or if you play something that is easy for for the game to process. 1% low is when you are in a very tough zone that the CPU is stressed, okay? Or the GPU is stressed for, for what matter the same. So the system, let's, say, let's talk about the system because it's not only, C, only uh, CPU. So uh, what the, the 1% low is when the system is stressed a lot and you see like a, a big drop in FPS, Sometimes, sometimes a big drop, sometimes not. And the point one percent is the like the worst case scenario. So like the stuttering, that's when it like feels yeah. like it's just hitching. Sometimes it's stuttering, sometimes for example, uh, we are talking about the ninety nine hundred K, the old CPU, no? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a very nice average, like hundred and forty FPS on average in World of Warcraft in Ride. And Ride is where there's a lot of people, you know, casting spells, so like 40 people at once mm-hmm. casting spells. You have a very nice average, but when the people start doing, you know, bad stuff, uh, the 9900K was like having, let's say, 60 FPS of 1% low. And the Zen 2, that had a lot of cash, you know, a lot of entry cash, uh, it was like at 100. So it was like mm-hmm. double the 9900K. The 900K was, uh, is like, uh, was having a higher average, but was failing in the 1% low. And the most important stuff is the 1% low, because if you are in a multiplayer game and you play and there's a lot of, uh, you have to concentrate and do you know, crazy stuff with a boss, and that's where you need the 1% low. If, you, if, you, if a CPU or a GPU, for that matter, fail to deliver 1% low, you have a bad experience. So would that's you it. say when people look at like a benchmark between CPUs or even GPUs, and they yeah, a lot of websites now show all of them, they show, average one and 0.1% lows. If they see two graphics cards that have similar averages tied 1%, but one of them wins 0.1%, is that, well, obviously if it's a tie for everything else, you would do that. But like, let's say one is winning 1%, the other is winning 0.1%. Which one would you say is more important to win? And does that um, ever happen? Because <laughs> I think it does sometimes. No, it's rare, it, though. usually it scales. So uh, the average may be different. So the average may be, let's mm-hmm. say, uh, I have a, a system. Let, let's talk about systems so it can be more uh, universal. Uh, I have a system or component that gave me like 180 FPS uh, and on average. 
but like 60 fps on one percent or 0.1 percent they usually tend to be the same you know to keep the scale between the two and another cpu that gave me 150 fps on average but 120.1 percent you know i will stick with the one that guarantee me the 0.1 percent because if if uh, i can have a higher one percent or point one percent i don't perceive stuttering at all i don't care if uh, in, in an empty zone i have like one thousand fps yeah but when I, I engage in a fight and then i start you know seeing the the screen stuttering like hell so the most probably i will buy components looking at the one percent lows not the average well, yeah, and I typically do too. And let me give you an example of some real bad 1% lows. I recently tested the RTX 3050, RX 6500 XT, RX 560, and I also tested a 663 gigabyte and a GTX 583 gigabyte in modern games. <laughs> and if you want some bad 0.1% lows, try using an old graphics card because I think yeah. people forget how often like older gpus were getting horrible frame stuttering compared to what we're used to now like every generation yeah. especially since i'd say turing and rdna1 has been significantly better frame pacing like my friend who has the 6500 xt now he said he went from like a 480 to a 6500 xt and even when the frame rates were similar, the 6500 XT just felt smoother. He's like, newer graphics cards just work better. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, yeah, they do. They really do. They do. And driver now, level ask, as well. Yeah, let me ask a pedantic question then. You said usually 0.1% and 1% lows are directly correlated. Is there a point yeah. in testing 1% if you just test 0.1%? Or is it tested at the same time anyway, so it doesn't really matter? It's tested at the same time. So uh, I usually use like... Uh, um, Afterburner, yes, um, MSI Afterburner or uh, CapFrame, CapFrame X to record. So when I record the session and then to answer the, the question, how can I avoid the loading time? I just, you know, load the game and select a benchmark range that doesn't have loading at mm -hmm. all. So I can, you know, I try to, to, to find uh, a part of the game that doesn't have loading time, so doesn't have any variable at all. So I want to, to benchmark something that is consistent every time I run it without loading time, so without variables. So um, usually I record more data than I show. So sometimes I record 1% low, 0.1% low, sometimes I record as well like uh, <clears throat> maximum frame rate uh, or like temperature. I, I record a lot of stuff. I keep a really a uh, lot of log and then I pick the information that seems relevant as well to double check if I find something weird. Because sometimes you, you can see like spike in, in um, in temperature, uh, spike down in frequency, you can understand a lot by the, analyzing the logs. And then you pick only the numbers that are relevant. Well, it's officially spring, which for me and my dog Greasy means getting outside and growing some fresh food in our garden. And also, it means having to mow the lawn every week, having to take care of weeds, and just having to maintain the yard in general, which means that, yeah, during the spring and summer months, I like having a quick snack that I can make so I waste as little time as possible now that I'm spending more time taking care of my yard. But I also, of course, want it to be healthy and tasty. And, well, yeah, that's where Vite Ramen comes in. Vite Ramen is an American company that, just like me, likes using fresh ingredients to make meals tasty, 
and healthy. And it only takes a few minutes to make, and they keep updating their recipes, like the V3 edition of Beef Pho recently, to keep ensuring their product is as good as it can be. So make sure, even if you bought them before, you check back at their store. And if you do, click on the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to save 10% on a special bundle just for Moore's Law Z fans. That gives you $25 in free goodies, and it really does help support this channel tremendously. Seriously, I eat Vite Ramen. It's tasty, it's healthy, it's fresh, and it's especially reasonably priced if you use the Moore's Laws Dead deal. Try Vite Ramen today. All right, then I want to try to switch gears here. Um, and it's funny, as I read, as I get ready to read this reader mail, it's occurring to me, I don't know if this will be a video episode, I'm wearing an AMD shirt. I meant to put on my Moore's Law is dead shirt, but I guess now it looks <laughs> like I'm just representing AMD, even though I, I guess I mostly recommended Alder Lake anyways. Um, well, and I guess behind you, yeah. yeah, you've got a couple Intel processors, so I guess that balances out <laughs> me wearing an AMD shirt. Um, the Remedy writes in, and he says, do you think AMD would have been able to catch up to Intel with Zen if Intel hadn't gone stagnant for nearly a decade? Would Zen have stood a chance against a consistently innovating Intel, or was a stagnant Intel the thing that really allowed AMD to catch up, and a blessing in disguise for consumers since Bulldozer and Piledriver were so bad it nearly made AMD go out of business? This is a fun question. Hard to say. Uh, probably if Intel was pushing, you know, 100%, maybe yes. Because Intel is a big company, have a lot of resources, have a lot of knowledge, have a lot of skilled people inside. So probably they will, who knows? Uh, maybe AMD, you know, with Zen, did a great uh, service to humanity. <laughs> so they moved Intel from stagnation. So they did a very big thing. But hard to say. But I think, yes, Intel is a big company with a lot of uh, R&D budget. They will probably be more advanced by now, yes. Well, to be entirely honest, too, I've seen some older roadmaps from Intel, and they wanted Cannon Lake to be out, like, I mean, because, yeah, Skylake came out 2015. They wanted Cannon Lake out potentially with six cores by 2017, and then they wanted, it would probably have been Cannon Lake, which is a die shrink of Skylake. They probably wanted that out instead of KV Lake with a, like slight improvements. And then I believe the next year they wanted six cores. And then they wanted Ice Lake eight cores out in 2019. And I think that's interesting. Or even 2018, actually, is what I've heard. So I think that's interesting to think about. Like, what if Intel had an eight-core Ice Lake at five gigahertz? Which, remember, Ice Lake is 20% higher IPC than... Skylake, what if they had that next to Zen Plus? I mean, Zen Plus wouldn't have looked... Even Zen 2 would have been questionable for gaming if Intel had something 20-30% better than the 9900K at the same time. Yeah. Uh, you know something? that In the past, Intel was downclocking the CPUs. Mm -hmm. Because uh, what from, from my, you know, from an overclocking an overclocker perspective, what I saw that in the past, Intel was so far advanced that it was able to, to clock something at 4.7, but then you you, 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 you you buy the CPU and you can run at 5.1 effortless. Now, they are really struggling to, to push for more frequency. They are improving the boost algorithm. They are like uh, making the KS version, uh, all that stuff, because you know, they struggle to, to they, they always, they, they like, they sell already being CPU. But, you know, 
six years ago, there was heavily done clock in the CPU because there was no competition. Yeah, and, you know, just to be honest, in, NVIDIA was doing that for a while as well, if anyone's wondering. Like, yeah, exactly. if you look at the, the Maxwell. Yeah, I mean, it's, come on, guys. The 970 was <laughs> oh, a three point. Like, everyone <laughs> yeah. freaked out that the 970 was only $330. It's, I mean, $330. And it's like, yeah, because that was the 960 Ti that they called a 970. Yeah, exactly. And it used yeah. 120 watts, you guys. There, there's no way. If they really wanted the to, you know, the 980 would have been clocked 20% faster and been yeah. called the 970. Like, that's what they actually would have done if they really were threatened by AMD back then. And Pascal was massively holding back. I mean, people forget that the Fury X used about the same energy as the uh, 980 Ti. I, I, they, they could have been pushing all these way harder, and you see that with Ampere. It's yeah. like, oh, this is what they do when they're actually threatened. They just use 20, 30% more energy. Yeah, they play with that all the time, I think. And, and I want to be clear, there's a reason they do this that isn't just because they have to. The reason they don't clock Maxwell so high at stock is because, well, when the 1070 came out, it was a little faster than Titan Maxwell, and everyone freaked out, like, wow. But yeah. what people were missing is if you overclock Titan Maxwell and the 1070, Maxwell wins. And so... It allows them to make their newer generation look even more impressive if they need to, if something goes wrong, if they underclock the previous one, which was pretty important with, like, Sandy Bridge and Ivy Bridge, by the way. Good times. Yeah. Now it's, it's a bit different. Every, every, now everybody is pushing to the edge. We are trying to, to make more sophisticated algorithm to, to be able to, to, to squeeze every, everything out of it, at least in the, in, the, in the CPU. But maybe in the GPU as well, because they... they they got better and better and better every time. So Brett Summers writes in and he says, hello, Tom and Max. I hope you guys are doing well. I just have a simple question, though. Do you think traditional overclocking is dead? I mean, you can still do it. You can certainly tweak certain things, but not like back in the early Nehalem, Sandy Bridge or Core 2 days. It seems to me that unless you have exotic cooling, your overclocking will generally be limited and restricted to only a few things to get only a few more percentage points of performance out of it. Yeah, this is a very nice question, and I feel it personally because being an overclocker, I, I I love overclocking stuff, and you know I I started really overclocking really hard uh, during the Atron XP era, so yeah, 20 years ago now, uh, and at the time, yes, was really big improvement o over you know uh, a couple of settings. Now it's a bit different because everything came out of the of the factory already overclocked with a, a complex boost, uh, uh, like they say, the 5800X3D with the cache. Mm -hmm. you, you don't even have to tune the memory, so you just you know plug and play. And it's not overclockable by default, but even if it was, it doesn't make sense to overclock. So maybe uh, overclock, maybe it's not dead. They will, probably it's like uh, evolving, mm -hmm. let's say. It's not, it's not that it's going... Is going to to die because you, they locked everything. They let you play. Yeah? Probably they will let you play for a lot, uh, for a long time. But I think now is more shifting to tuning. They say more than overclocking is more like tuning to find the setting that perform better for your workload to to tune the memory in some cases or to you know to play with um, disabling enabling features to be able to have more performance out of it. It's more like a, um, shifting into tuning than 
purely overclocking. So it's a more broad uh, things to do than simply pump the clock higher as possible. Yeah, so. I mean, if we're talking about tweaking uh, settings for better performance, there's still quite a lot to get out of it. I, I remember my i7-6700K, in terms of actual overclocking, if all you did is overclock the multipliers, you're getting like 5-10% more performance. It really wasn't even that much back then. But I remember overclocking the, how was it? It's like the, I, for, I, I forgot by now, it's like the cache clock and keeping the cache clock at the same clock as the core clock and then overclocking the RAM got me really, really good 1% yeah. lows. <laughs> the ring, yes. The, the, yes, the ring. The, ring. The, the cache, of course, the cache. And uh, now, more or less, the same as well now. So you have you have the, the, the cache, the memory, so you still have a lot of point of uh, bottleneck that you have to, to improve to be able to achieve... Uh, the, the performance you want. So maybe uh, with the 12th generation, the, the, the ring is not as um, mm -hmm. uh, a good point as before because, again, maybe they, they change something. The architecture is not uh, important. But yes, with the 6th the generation or even with, with the 10th generation, the, the ring is very important. So you still have things to tweak. And I think probably uh, both AMD and Intel want to give people things to tweak. Because they know that, you know, fanatics like us, uh, mostly they, they buy the PC for playing with the PC and not playing games. So they, they know that people need to tweak, have a deep need of tweaking things. And so they want to keep it entertaining, maybe. I, I spent a ways. lot of time yeah. tweaking memory timings and FCLK clock on my Zen too. And that wasn't... Yeah. The core, I, for me, I just found turn PBO on and forget the multiplier. That was all I did with that. <laughs> yeah. But I gained like 10% more performance tweaking the CLK with RAM. You know, that's the same as overclocking the core. Exactly. I always, I always tell people overclocking memory, tuning memory is free. So why not? Mm -hmm. It doesn't it even really use more energy. So Exactly. I mean. And sometimes you can even spare some energy or, or temperature. Because it, sometimes you can get more more efficiency out of that, and sometimes you can push the memory and don't clock the the, the core. You have probably like the more performance with less energy. Something that we probably try to make some content about that to to. So Agent Two writes in and he says, "Hello, Tom and Max. Greetings from Turin. Pun intended. He's referencing AMD's Turin yeah. Epic architecture. He says, my question is one I've been asking myself for a while now. When will the revival of Intel's Costa Rica fabs make a difference in the battle against TSMC? This news dropped a few years ago now. Oh, how time has flown. And it said at the time that this move would take a while to bear fruit for Intel. Do you know any new info about this project? Now, Intel plans to accelerate their node development to counter TSMC. Contrary to popular opinion, I think that their own fabs at Intel will be to their own advantage once again because under competent leadership, which Patrick, which Patrick, he, I've never heard someone say Patrick, Pat Gelsinger is proving <laughs> to be, and they will be able to tightly integrate their products to a level Apple and TSMC are only doing right now. And if they keep up the level of innovation on the fab and architecture side equally, then they would be a dangerous prospect for competitors. Sorry for the little rant or for going on for too long, but I haven't heard much from Intel's fab progress lately, and I'm getting a bit anxious on how it is progressing. Keep on rocking. Yeah, so thanks, Agent 2. I mean, I would just say... Having fabs all over the world definitely helps right now <laughs> when you have to yeah. worry about different geopolitical issues. Um, I will say this, though, and this is something I'm getting into looking at, like, 
RDNA 3 and 4, which at least one of those is 3D stacked. And looking at, like, Vcash on Zen 3, I mean, they're putting Vcash on there before Intel is, despite having their own fab. So I think, I think it is an advantage for Intel, but I think it's obvious AMD and TSMC are working really closely together. Yeah, this is on... It's a very broad topic. I mean, probably they they choose those strategies with a lot in mind. Let's say geopolitical situation right now, uh, supplier availability. We saw with the, with the COVID thing that uh, you know it was hard to find everything. So probably they, they have a really um, very broad strategy to do the thing they do. And uh, as well, Apple is doing a lot of stuff, building their own silicon. It's hard to well, say. Let's, let's, I go, think. let's go into that now. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw you did a video recently looking at the M1 Mini or something, yeah. I believe. Uh, like, it's the one that you, I'm what, using right now. <laughs> oh, that's what you're using right now. So yeah. what do you think about Apple products right now? I think, you know, wasn't there... If I remember correctly, the last time me and you talked, there were all these rumors about Apple making their own silicon, and here we yeah, are two exactly. years later. Not only are they making it, they're on... There's several generations. They're crushing it. Yeah, they're crushing it. Really, I'm, you know, I'm using Apple since a long time because all the uh, video editing stuff and photo editing, I, I use macOS because I'm, I'm more like a best of breed uh, kind of user. So, uh, creative stuff, I use Apple for gaming. I use Windows for server. I use uh, Linux. So, I'm really, you know, I pick what I think is best in the market at, at the moment, and. Apple is really killing it because um, you know I'm a user for in the, with the Mac, uh, the Mac M1. I have the small uh, Mac Mini, and you know that uh, I do my video are all 4K. So usually I, I I record everything in 4K. I do it like in uh, in uncompressed uh, raw format, and I put it in the Mac Mini, uh, and it digests everything. So I can edit my video in 4K real time. So and the rendering is almost real time. I just add to, you know, I just wait like for a 10 minute video, uh, we probably is like 20 minutes to process to encode. Mm -hmm. And the, all, all the other in rest is 4K. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, in 4K, 60 FPS. And everything else is real time. Rendering is real time. Uh, you know, I'm editing with best quality in real time with a, with a chip that is, you know, using 15 watts. And it's stunning. If I do the same with, a, I have a Threadripper here, the 64 core. So mm -hmm. the, the big Threadripper here, I try to to to, to use uh, video editing stuff with the Threadripper, and it's not fast enough as the Mac Mini, and it's unbelievably you know it's it's hard to to, to process you know that a, a high end 64 core is not as fast enough as a, a small you know thing that I have on my desktop. So Apple is definitely killing it, and now with the you know the M1 Max Ultra or something like that, you know, stupid name. Uh, I think it's going to compete in the high-end uh, GPU market as well very soon because they found a, a way to make everything super efficient. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, and that's the funny thing, too, is I know how they did it. Their chip is huge. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's huge. It's five nanometer, <laughs> it's like and, and it's like... But, a Threadripper. <laughs> but still, no matter yeah. what, what they managed to do is make a, like, 100, 120-watt 30, 70, 30, 80, and that's pretty crazy, yeah. you know? And it, again, efficiency a is CPU, a, too. The efficiency is, is, is unbelievable because if I think I can do everything I do with 15 watts 
uh, if I, if I, if they scale this uh, 15 watts to 10x what I have here right now, it's probably a a super overkill machine for everybody. You know, I'm sure someone in the comments will tell me why this isn't a thing yet, but I gotta wonder if having these decent graphics finally available on Apple will push Steam to push for better support of their games on Apple hardware. I'm sure there's some Probably ecosystem yes. reason but that Gabe Newell maybe doesn't like it, but with all the effort he's putting into making Linux compete with Windows, you'd think he'd also want to put in a little effort into making all the games on Steam work well with Apple. So again, he can avoid Microsoft trying to control him, <laughs> you know. Probably that he should, because game. I tried some game on Linux, and I tried some games on macOS as well, especially World of Warcraft can run as well on macOS with Metal. And uh, with the M1, I can play at... Uh, I can, like, uh, if I lower, of course, the graphics detail, but I can play in 4K with the back M1 in World of Warcraft, which is a more a CPU-intensive game. But with this small piece of hardware, I can play a game at a decent resolution with decent quality in, in the first early version of the chip. So, yes, they will probably, uh, if maybe probably with the Mac M2, I think it will be something more evolved in the GPU segment. And maybe they can, they will try to, to develop more on that because it's, very efficient, so you 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 can have something maybe as well in the in the let's say in the mobile segment. Let's say a new MacBook now with a chip M1 can be a nice um, uh, gaming on battery. You know, yeah, like gaming that. on battery because it's super efficient. Maybe you can game at 15 watts and game for nine hours straight uh, with something that actually deliver uh, you know decent performance. Maybe you cannot expect like 3090 performance. But you can play something decent, and maybe if they see the opportunity, they will start to make uh, um, gaming for that. So let's say now AMD over the years have pushed for more cores, so the developer now are using more cores. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to 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 ignite a spark in the industry, and when a, a developer sees something that they can do better, they will. Dope is Jay writes and he says, considering the competition we've had in the consumer CPU space these past couple of years and next gen consoles being equipped with eight cores and 16 thread processors, establishing a new baseline for development. How do you see CPUs being pushed by developers now that we're getting a lot of cores in a ridiculous yeah. IPC gains? Just um, exactly what I was saying. So I didn't read that. So yeah, uh, just what I was talking about. So, um, if a developer see that they can uh, use some power from an architecture, they will. So why why not utilize you know, a 16 thread uh, if you have it? And now, I mean, nowadays, except the i3, at least eight threads, you, you have eight threads or 10 or 12 that you can use. So probably, yes, uh, going on, we will see more of um, multi-threaded gaming. We will see more... Uh, more stuff using everything they a PC or or a system have, so it's normal. I, I think short term, what we're going to see is high refresh rate gaming become completely standardized. Like I think I, I, I've always re recommend people do this: 
Go back to like 2008 and read some GPU reviews on the web, on the internet, because you will see plenty of reviews say, hey, this graphics card can run a game above 30 frames per second. That's good enough. And then consoles came out that were, you know, 360 and PS3 were pretty powerful when they came out. And then we got way stronger CPUs, especially with like Sandy Bridge and onward. And so then PC gamers got used to 60 frames. Now we have consoles that have 60 frames per second as standard. A yeah. few of them do 120. And I think what we're going to see is at first the consoles are competitive with mid-range gaming PCs in the CPU department, probably a little more in the GPU. And then eventually, though, what happens when Zen 4 has doubled the IPC of what's in a PS5? Well, I think you're going to see just developers go, well, okay, well, now every game just runs at 120 hertz without issue because it wasn't always yeah. easy to run at 120 hertz without issues in the past. Like sometimes the engines just wouldn't even support it. Yeah, it depends a lot on the engine. Let's say World of Warcraft, for example, I you know, speak with that because it's a clear example of a game that is recycled every time expansion ever exp after expansion and is still single threaded right now after 20 years. So they try to do some multi-threading stuff. It's like more like offloading from the main core, but it's still. But games that uh, are developed with newer engine, maybe they, the new Unreal Engine, everything, it will be fully multi-threaded. I think. Because you know we are in 2022, so it's normal that they will use the new the new technology at their advantage. Yeah, and I think you're just going to see finally. I think people need to go back and look at 360, especially 360 games, but also most PS3 games. Um, there are usually just like five or six enemies on screen, <laughs> and now we have stronger yeah. CPUs. Now there's like 20. It's like I, I think what you're going to see is developers not afraid to have like hundreds of people on screen yeah, exactly. if they want to because now they can um mustang 3060 tie writes in and he says how do you think amd's apus stack up against low-end gpus do you think apus will take over the low-end gpu market in the future i think they already have for some extent because uh i started my channel like what was that four four years ago with the first uh, apu from uh, amd and at the time it was like you know, battling with uh, with low and discrete cards. So, and right now, let's say with the uh, what is it, the fifty seven hundred G, the the big uh, AMD uh, CPU with the integrated GPU, uh, GPU is still is. I mean, it's like more for an indie gamer right now mm -hmm. because you don't have a lot of power. But it still but, uses Vega, like they have Rembrandt. They yeah, could give exactly. you better stuff. If now they will put uh, RDNA 2 into a Zen 3 core, it will be great. I mean, probably you will have like a 100 watt mini PC that can do stuff that you can do with a uh, 1050 or something like this, maybe 1060. If you're lucky, if you turn or overclock you know, the, the memory, something like that, because I think they are advancing pretty well in that segment. They are a bit stagnant, though, because uh, I saw, you know, utilizing Vega for a lot of generation. Mm -hmm. And they are very stagnant right now. But I think they will, you know, uh, take the rabbit out of the hat, maybe with the RDN2, uh, RDN2 inside of Zen 3, because you don't need, if you have a, an APU, you don't need uh, the latest core, you know. So probably a Zen 2 will be, will be just as good. Yeah, but I think, can, and I think uh, Phoenix, despite some other claims out there, isn't going to be this giant upgrade in graphics people expect. No, it's going to be, uh, and I mean Phoenix over Rembrandt with a Zen 4 APU. It's going to be a big uplift, but I don't think it's going to be like 
a, a, a like a doubling. I think we're looking at another standard 30 to 50 percent, contrary, again, to what some other people have said recently. And again, that's like I think that's good enough for 1080p. I think I think late next year, I think after Phoenix and with Meteor, like that's when we're going to start to see it. And granted, I think these low end AP, well, compared to GPUs, I think they will be low end graphics. But right now, you know, on laptop, Rembrandt's graphics are about as good, like you said, as a 1050 Ti, which isn't great. But if you doubled that, as much as that will probably be a fourth the performance of like a $200 graphics card, so what? It still does 1080p high settings, you know? And once you hit 1080p high settings at 60, I think that's just where AMD is going to be like, Enough. There you go. There's the yeah, sometimes thing. you know you tweak a bit with it. Usually AMD doesn't work well with the, with the shadows, so you you lower a bit down the shadows, and then you can have a pretty decent quality without a shadow or without you know water reflections stuff like that that uh, doesn't really change the overall per, per perception of the per perceived uh, quality of the game. So you can tune a bit the, the setting, and you have a nice gaming machine. All right. Final question here that I wanted to pick your brain on. Like I, I'm really excited to pick everyone I talk to's brain on right now is power <laughs> consumption. Yeah. Um, the remedy writes in again, and he says, "Hello, Tom and Max. With the rising energy costs across the globe, inflation being a real concern at the moment in many regions, do you think that PC component power consumption, mainly graphics cards, but I think CPUs still apply, will start to become a major focus of the general consumer, or will it still generally be all about frame rates at all costs? Even then, efficiency for a frame sounds like a great metric to a lot of people when said out loud, but it still doesn't limit power consumption as you still have a very power-hungry card, potentially, despite improving efficiency. Do you think there will ever be a limit to wattages where people just say, all right, enough. I've had enough of this. This is the highest we're going. This is a very nice question. Uh, you know, the ridiculous limit, we probably there won't be a, any red, red line to it. Because even if NVIDIA comes out with a, with a one kilowatt GPU, probably the people at some time, they say, okay, okay, if I have the top performance, who cares about one <laughs> but you know, you know in the u.s we have it 120 should. volt power you have 240 volts in europe and 120 yeah. volts that'll trip the breaker like literally like we're out yeah of, a lot like, of i think the limit to a room yeah. is about 1800 watts in the u.s well now here we have you know double the the voltage so we have half the the, the current so but but still uh having us uh, um, a big big gpu it means you have to buy a big, big PSU. Mm -hmm. And that thing doesn't come cheap. I mean, if you have to buy a 2,000 watt uh, PSU, it's like 500 bucks. So it starts getting really expensive. And, and of course, and the noise, the, the, the heat consumption, and the, as well, the, the, you know, you're, you're going to like have a tropical uh, temperature in your room. So. Because and what I if see... you live in a tropical temperature and then exactly. you try to power it? Because exactly. I'm just saying this. Like, I've been told directly the 4090 uses 600 watts, or that's what it's being designed yeah. to use. So I wonder what you think about that. Like, I don't know. You said you have a 3090 now, right? Yeah, well, I'm not, I have you, you everything. <laughs> yes, yeah. I have every GPU. Right now here in my bench, I have the, the 3019 Kingpin. So it's the unlocked version. I have a special BIOS for uh, extreme overclocking they gave me. And it's 
further unlocked than the normal 3019. What, what, what uh, power consumption does it get to then? Do you have it at 600 watts? Yeah, uh, yeah. So I have the you know the thing being have the display. So I see uh, real time my consumption is. I saw six hundred watts sometimes. So in some how benchmark. hot does that get? So you know, you know how hot a, a six hundred watt car yeah. gets. Like, like it's what does heater. it feel like in the room? Because I think that's going to become standard. Apparently, <laughs> it's a room heater. I have a. It, it comes with a three sixty all in one. So okay, but if I do benchmark, a lot of benchmark, or if the, when I have to test uh, something to do a review, so I have to do like 200 benchmark. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I don't open the windows, even in winter, it's getting like 30 degrees here. So sometimes in winter I have to 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 power on the air conditioning, to, because when, when I do test, I test at 22 degrees. So when I do all my tests. To, to make it, you know, scientific reliable, I, I fix my room temperature at 22. And sometimes I have to wait that the air conditioning start cooling down a bit. Because if I do like three hours straight yeah. with, uh, you know, uh, especially if I use a 12900K overclocked, is at the 400 watts. So I have like one kilowatts of energy burning for three or four hours, but you end up like <laughs> with a lot of power. Yeah, so that's interesting, yeah. And 30 degrees Celsius is 86 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's really, that's really, and that's in the winter it'll get that hot if you don't leave the windows Yeah, exactly. I'm just really fascinated to see what reviewers say about a 600-watt card, because it's, how can that not be a con? Personally, I think it's too much. I mean, it's unethically too much, Mm -hmm. uh, because... um, uh, at the end, uh, I mean, uh, 600 watts to have what? Like, uh, you know, 20 FPS more than a car that uh, uh, deliver more or less the same result with like half the, the yeah. wattage? I think it's, it's like a bit dumb, you know. Um, it's like when I overclock stuff. If I want to do a record, uh, let's say with that card, I saw 900 watt with the 3090 King being overclocked. Or something like that, 800 watts. When I was like with liquid nitrogen at uh, 2.7 gigahertz on the GPU core, I saw the like the, the because I have the the, the Tor, the Rock Tor, the, the the PSU, and I saw like seven, 800 watts to do like uh, you know a small percentage increase to 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 set a score in other bot. So Which is what it's really about, stupid, though, right? Yeah. Like Nvidia doesn't want to lose. That's the only reason they're doing this, and they know if it gets to the top of the chart or close. Mission accomplished. I will probably buy that card and then downclocked. Because yeah, maybe you, I, you have like 5% less with half the power. I, so. I ha- I, they have to come with... I feel like it's going to have to come with two BIOSes. Like one switch that probably, limits it to yeah. 400 watts. Because, I mean, there are just some houses that won't be able to run that card. I, <laughs> like, seriously, there are some apartments that won't run Yeah, it will trip your, uh, your counter, yes. Because if you are running like at, uh, you know, 120, uh, 120 volts, it's a lot of, of amperes. So, yeah, you probably trip <laughs> the switch. But if it doubles the performance of your 3090, double the efficiency. If it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it won't. No, probably yeah, you will like will. T- twice the power to have like 20% more. Well, I'm saying versus your 3090 because it's a four nanometer uh, yeah. graphics card. So yeah. technically, though, they can claim they doubled efficiency even if it's still using 600 uh, they, watts. <laughs> they always does. Uh, but well, I think yeah, it's good to talk about um, you know uh, consumption and this 
some green stuff because usually people buy the PC to have performance and they don't if a really small population of the gamer or the PC user think about efficiency and power consumption but maybe you should probably be more responsible for that well Let's and say, it's funny uh, you you say you game a lot even on your Mac and it's like yeah yeah, I, uh, ever since I've had a 3070, I'm just about at this level of performance where it's more of a balance of I just don't want to get hot in the room. Like, I don't care. I'll turn down a few settings yeah. to have it be a cool get room to game in. It's just not as much of a factor anymore because the games look so good to me now. Yeah, I mean, my perfect build would be like uh, funless. So if I have to design a build, it would be like funless. To do exactly what I want to do, nothing less, nothing more. But to be funless and silent and super readable, no moving parts, and it, it will be my, my, my best build in my mind. Mm -hmm. but unfortunately, there's no, uh, let's say, GPU heatsink strong enough to... I know Yet. there's a couple of Yet. crazy cases. I've seen yeah. like five or six years ago where the entire case is a giant metal heatsink for cooling yeah, the CPU. Cool. But of course, the but the GPU, you're right. The GPU is still still needs a fan though unfortunately i will probably make a model about something like that i will, I will probably do that because now I mean, with a you can you do with the cpu cool is it, right? easy couldn't you liquid cool the gpu with the cpu and just have the heat pipes run all through a giant metal case back and forth maybe that would work i had a project to do something with um, uh, mineral oil so to put like you know the a big heat sink in the cpu and gpu and submerge everything in mineral oil and build like a case that can dissipate for convection, you know, the, having the, the heat dissipate itself. But it's a bit messy. So I will probably work around that to find something that is no, zero noise, but still performing enough to play a game at 144 FPS. Well, I mean, we've been going on for a while here. So I think that that's all of the things I had to bring up um, on the script. I think we got through all of it pretty well. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss while you're here? I mean, anything you wanted to talk about or? Well, we covered a lot of stuff, a pretty interesting stuff, I can say. Uh, I mean, we, we covered a lot. Uh, I think now it's just, you know, sit and wait to the new generations, speculate a bit because it's fun. Uh, Probably in the next weeks, I will do some uh, strange tests to see efficiency, power consumption. Uh, well, something that I want to do is like uh, uh, something that I did in the past generation to use um, um, an Octua, an H15, without the funds, with AMD and Intel, and to see uh, the performance I can have with both using that uh, heat sink without the fans mm. into safe limits. So this is a test, let's say a, a challenge that I want to do. So using a complete fanless design, fans, yeah. yeah, who the two can deliver the best performance, let's say under 80 degrees Celsius. Mm -hmm. So this is yeah, something I, mean, I will probably do. Now that'll be interesting because it, it all, and I imagine like it'll really depend on if you underclock them too, because it's some yeah. of that's also a little bit about surface area, but not really if it's a heat sink because you're just going to saturate it if it's not moving out. So it's really actually probably less about surface area. Um, yeah. Well, where can people find that test? Like, what's your channel? Plug yourself. Yeah, as always, hardware numbers uh, in YouTube. You pretty find me. Uh, yeah, as always, I will do some like liquid nitrogen stuff and more crazy tests. So. 
if people want to see some unusual test with system pushed to the limit, they can, you know, follow me and they will see uh, some really um, out of the box uh, tests. And uh, well, if I can, one thing I'm, I have a team of models, the Italian mm -hmm. extreme models. So we have a YouTube channel as well that sometimes I do tests for them. So the, the channel name is Italian extreme models and they do a lot of case modding, you know, uh, they shape the case uh, to a team. Uh, they are pretty nice, pretty nice. So if people are into modding, I suggest to check it out. Well, I'll put both of those links at the top of the uh, links section yeah. in the description for people who want to find those. I'm sure there's a lot of Moore's Law is Dead fans who will be looking for that. But otherwise, you know, thanks for coming on. Remember, everyone listening, if you, if you, you know, double check that you're subscribed to the Moore's Law is Dead YouTube channel, ring the bell button, subscribe to Broken Silicon on their preferred podcast app and give us a review. And consider supporting us on Patreon to ask us like this questions and get the episodes early and ad free but um yeah that's all i've got today and again you know thanks for coming on max thank you for having me bye goodbye everybody this podcast was brought to you by the youtube channel and website moore's laws dead moore's laws dead and broken silicon are trademarks of their creator tom that guy is me and i am indeed the creator editor writer and showrunner of moore's laws dead podcast videos articles and other media however i don't do this alone moore's laws dead is a team with broken silicon co-hosted by my brother dan audio editing by gerard cortez and special assistance by carbon cry find all of our information including the information of sponsors you can support at www.moreslawsdead.com if you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover State's podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it, and so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels.
Brad Medlin, Drita Fole, A.V., Anthony Gareffa, Greg Pataki, Mohamed Al-Khwari, Brett Jones, Aaron Close, BBC 6800XE, Big Sexy, Jan Rauner, Daniel Hyde, Ivan K., Brian Regelman, Joaquin Hagen, Sam Miller, Deke, Thomas Rupp, The Mechanical Philosopher, Terrence Herod, SNES Chalmers, Tom Bailey, Greg T. Wanchuk, Andrew S., Dane Golanowski, Daniel D., MJB1, Eric Jackson, Justice Brennan, Sammy Good, Valko Malev, The Boss, Haas, I Love You, Lynn and Jim, Spantum G. Spamptum, Jonathan, Jeremy So, General Drips, Blake, Franco, Frederick, Matthew Lazier, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Azuris, Gregory S. Acker, Dominique Cock, Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin, My Name is Nobody, Caillou Markelly, HeartForum.com, Original Ross, Licky, Stefan, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, who also survived Rush Hour 2, Christopher A. Butler, Jeremy Scallon, Sarcastro, Stefan Hart, Jason B., Meat and Pork, Stu, Tim Robb, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse Jeskowiak, Travis Gooding, Holden Mobley, Nanny and Chris Rich, Deepest Learners, Mad, Suzu Taylor, T- Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Benjamin Oshley, Sam Malas, Greg, Ah Trini, Patrick Groh, Amiable Chief, Brett Summersdale, Russell, Arcane 311, Tommy, Kunden, Brucha, Mark Mitchell, John Wissink, Delmaine Peterson, James Anderson, A. Truey, Mark Raidmaker, Falling from Sky, 3DS Boy, 08, How Buma, Narithio, Matthew, Landavazo, Stefan, Coladic, Henry Zhang, Judson, NF7, GOS, The Grid, Michelle Pell, D31337, Antic, Silvanus, Noah Noquela, Exapuma, Chrysantine, Powell, Zegartowski, Zavebeat03, DSIS, Thomas A. Teeth, John DeBunt, DNA Tech, 50C Desert, Axel Cisneros, Royce Mayer, Charles Russell, Reginald Araya, Moore F1 US, Teak Autumn, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Sandy Garrido Saunderson, David Eason, Fire Falcon on YouTube, Andre A. Jacques, Gaiman Since Reagan, Jeff Sadler, Eric Asborn, Loophole 35, Windstar Joker, James One Raidmaker, Corey Leonard, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music.